the Hinton Meet podcast, the podcast hosted by me, Curtis Hinton. On each episode, I'll be joined by different guests from the worlds of TV, film, music, business and beyond, talking all things from life to career. On this week's episode, I'm joined by the UK partner of Mate Bike UK, Harish Qureshi. He grew up fixing bikes, but now he is helping to bring the future of bikes to the UK market. I spoke to Harris to find out where he got to where he is today and to find out what the future holds for the electric bike that is faster, smarter and just a whole lot cooler. Please welcome to the podcast, Harris Qureshi. Harris, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Obviously, I know it's a very busy time for you at the moment, obviously, with um, to the listeners at home. This is Harris, the partner of Mate Bike UK. Harris, for those who might not have heard of Mate Bike, who are you? What, what do you do? So Mate Bike is a foldable e-bike. Uh, it's pretty cool. It looks very unique in terms of its styling. Um, got um, very, very smart tech on the bike as well. And it's basically a way of getting around um, easier, uh, more in style, um, and, and where you generally would use a typical bike to go to work. Um, this way, by going on an e-bike, you, you aren't so out of breath and sweaty when you get to where you're going. So, <laughs> so you can actually end up traveling a lot further. Uh, in style and, and that sense of freedom. Talking about the brand, it was founded by a brother and sister, uh, Christian and Julie, in 2016. Was that so? That's Mate Bike, as in the the global company. Am I right in saying that? Correct. So Mate Bike, the founders, Julie and Christian, founded the the initial bike in 2016 as a crowdfunding campaign. Um, it saw lots of success from around the world. Uh, and as it carried on growing, I saw the brand on Indiegogo as well uh, and got very excited about it and knew that I could work with the brand uh, and take it to new levels as well. So um, the UK side of the business only started last March. So we're coming up to our first year. So still still brand new here. Uh, but uh, we work very closely with the guys in Copenhagen. Uh, I literally just got off a call with Julie now. Um, so we're always discussing our strategy and how we can move forward together as a partnership. You obviously you mentioned that you thought you, you saw the brand and you thought you know what I could bring this to the UK market and it, it's going to excel quite well. What was your motivation? What was your inspiration behind that? How did you know that it was going to go that route? I think there's a lot of reasons why I felt personally, even in 2018, 2017, 18, that things were changing. I was working in within the world of consumer electronics and tech uh, and following what was coming up and and you know robotics and AI. And uh, when you look at Climate change, for example, is, is one of the topics. It's an area that's uh, in, been in debate for a while. There's some really strong people out there that are trying to make a difference. Um, everyone will, no doubt, on their smaller scales, try and make a difference. Um, and then the, the focus on diesel cars being squeezed out of at least the, the central areas like central London, uh, and yeah. it's more expensive to park a diesel car, kind of got me thinking that, you know, which direction are we going in? You know, are we going to go back to petrol again? Again, temporarily maybe, but long term, um, with things like businesses like solar solar panels and the success of, of, of alternate renewable energy, uh, hydropower, you know, it was kind of e-mobility and that, that whole shift. You could feel feel things coming. And, you know, I had lots of really meaningful conversations with friends um, about how people get around and the best way of doing that. Uh, and also not just knock on effect on the planet, but also your wallet. So for me, uh, you know, just looking at the invention of the e-bike, I thought, you know, this is amazing, but it's, it's got to go somewhere. I mean, it, something different has to come out with, with me. Mate bike was that solution because it ticked a lot of boxes. Yeah. And it, I mean, this kind of travel is probably it is the future and an investment in the future of traveling. 
Correct, correct. And, and you know, you, you, you buy yourself an e-bike or an e-car, it has a direct, uh, you know, localised impact on your environment. Um, you know, just, just being in lockdown, if you look at the, the current situation where people are indoors and aren't driving as much, uh, that's already had an impact on uh, wildlife. Uh, and you'll yeah. see, you know, I mean, the skies are clearer. So it's, Pollution it's, it's, levels, it's, yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, absolutely. So, was, so that that's more of a long term when it comes to e-bikes, you know. Yeah, I think it was the start of summer last year. They all said about the, the China and how much the pollution had reduced, and they were seeing things that they hadn't seen in years, and it's just incredible. Yeah. Just but that small change, like you say, and it's the way the world is going. And and just to prove it, I mean, Make Bike was released in 2016, and it's already sold over 8,000 bikes in 50 countries. Correct. Is, that is was that, only from the first launch. That was it. That was only from the the Mate City. So it was the classic, the first launch, and then obviously then came out the X. So that was kind of like the feeler model. While Julian Christian knew they were going to develop it, and it, yeah. it it carries on developing as well as a product. So there's more and more that you'll see in the future coming out as well. Um, as you know, we 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 take over as much of that market as we can. And so you'll see that Mate X was released in 2018, and that sold over. 14,000 bikes in 70 countries, raising $20 million. Yeah. And so what was the initial, so they, you say they crowdfunded the initial project. What was the initial target for them when, when they, when they crowdfunded it? Do you know? So, so for the, I don't know this, the exact number, if I'm honest, but I know it was more of a, we, we know that biking and cycling is the heart of where they're from, Copenhagen. Yeah. Uh, and we want to take this worldwide with something that's different. So because it wasn't going to be a typical design bike for your everyday cyclist, they knew that there was a market that we were going to hit worldwide. And what's been great with the story and seeing the stats in terms of who bought the bikes off of the Indiegogos, but even thereafter until now, you know, what's amazing is just to see the variation and the diversity with whether it's gender, age, background, ethnicity, it's getting everyone to, yeah. to get on a bike and a lot of people that typically wouldn't. So yeah, I know, I, you know, there was definitely a potential there, but even, even for Julian Christian, I can speak on their behalf. They wouldn't have anticipated this level of, of success, success. Uh, breaking the European history for e-bikes on Indiegogo at that point, you know. And that's just in five years as well. Obviously, so we've spoken really about the business itself. Um, now, let's mm. see, you are the partner of the UK um, arm of the business, let's, let's call it. Um, let's talk yeah. about it about you. So we like on this podcast to get to know that the business owners, obviously, you are um, the face of the UK. So you grew up in Wales um, and Cambridge. Now, Cambridge is what is maybe arguably one of the, the bicycle centres of the UK. Anytime you go to Cambridge, there's probably more bikes than there is cars. Most definitely, yeah. I mean, growing up in Wales, as a lot of kids, I had a bike, but it was just a phase. Um, yeah. But when I moved to Cambridge in year seven, so secondary school, um, it was I was shocked. I got to school and there were more bike sheds than, <laughs> than man, bikes, bike sheds all around the place. Uh, I very quickly got myself a bike. And uh, and so, yeah, I, I fell in love with the bike, actually, at the age of 11, 12. Um, but within, within those years, um, while studying, I actually started working with bikes as well. So quite early on, I, I, I decided initially, you know, someone had a puncture and I helped them fix their puncture. I thought that was quick. So I started fixing punctures. Um, uh, and then I started doing uh, upgrades on derailers and grip shift gears and, you know, changing handlebars and forks. And before I knew it, I was doing custom built bikes for students. So, you know, someone had come to study at Cambridge and I was a 14 year old kid and uh, they would entrust me where I had adverts in all of the 
31 colleges in Cambridge. Um, so you'd enroll and you see an advert saying custom built bike, you'd ring me up or my pager would get a beep back in the day, I'm showing my age. <laughs> uh, and so I'd, I'd meet up with the client and sometimes I'd get orders for, you know, a thousand, fifteen hundred pounds uh, saying, you know, I want this specific bike built for myself. And that's where I would strip things and rebuild them. And I just had fun doing it. I'd had, I used to have around 30 to 40 bikes uh, in my own stock through year eight and year nine at every given one time. So okay. as soon as I'd sell, I'd restock. Um, I'd go to the um, the police auctions where there were lost stolen bikes that got auctioned out. I'd buy them and give them some love and sell them. And so, yeah, um, it was an interesting part of my journey. I probably spent more time than that than studying in those days. I mean, so from, from your perspective, it, was, it wasn't just the, the bicycle uh, attachment of it. You had that business mind from, from the start. Uh, yeah, I think... Um, I would want to say it's in the blood, although my dad doesn't, isn't a business owner, uh, but I've got a lot of family that have set up businesses. And so I was always inspired when I saw, you know, people making something out of nothing, um, um, not to go too deep. But when I was uh, age 11, uh, going on 12, I moved to Cambridge without my parents. So it was just my brother raising me. So okay. he was my guardian. He was living on a, a student uh, they'd get a student a, a grant in those days. Um, so, you know, it was enough to make ends meet. Uh, yeah. I just wanted more, more and I wanted to save. So I wanted to be able to afford my own flat when I, when I was older and get a car and all the other bits and bobs. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was, I had that mind where I can make something out of this uh, and it's healthy and it's great and it's, you know, it's fun. And this is obviously way before the e-bike. Yeah, of course. And I mean, did you ever imagine at that point that it would be a actual scalable business? Obviously, I know you've obviously you're now a partner of Makebike UK, but Obviously, like you say, that was enough to, to get you to save up, to get your own flat and that sort of stuff. And from the age of 14, it, that's, I mean, you hear that as a rare occasion and the rare occasions you hear it, it's with the successful people. Yeah, and I, I genuinely wouldn't, if you asked me even five years, eight years ago, I would never have said I'm going to get into bikes. Uh, no. <laughs> you know, it definitely wasn't in the pipe or in the plans. I was working in the energy business, uh, in the telecoms business, uh, and then consumer electronics. Uh, and, and I just fell in love uh, with the product, if I'm honest. And I yeah. thought, you know what? This is amazing. And then it was the first time I rode the bike. I was in Vegas at the CES, the Consumer Electronics Show. And I met Judy, Christian, and Gardick, who's our group CEO. Uh, and they were like, just ha have a go on one. Um, so we were at MGM Grand, and I'm riding down the Vegas Boulevard, uh, you know, 30 miles an hour on a mate bike. <laughs> and it's like, this is the most exciting thing ever. Uh, and, you know, and so, yeah, it's, I think it was that, that it brought back a childhood love that I had um, with an up-to-date kind of, you know, product that works in the market. Yeah. 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 So did you, was it always a plan? So you said you worked in renewable energy. Uh, obviously, e-bikes is, you've got that little link in there. Um, was it always a plan, though, to get involved with a business of your own obviously i like we can say you're a partner of the business but it is kind of you you are it's like your baby it's, it's what you've got to now sure. to grow was it always a plan sure. to do that or was it something like you say you just came across it, it was always a plan it was just there's always been an obstacle in the way that stopped me doing it so if you'd have asked me i think actually when i when i graduated from university my dad uh is a professor and he studies and, and, and read with one of my main lecturers on my course. And he asked her um, at the end of my graduation, you know, Harris doesn't seem to want to do a PhD like I did and become a doctor. And she said, uh, she said, that's not Harris. She told my dad that, you know, if I had a million pound, I'd give it to Harris because I know he'd do something with it. And yeah. he'd make it work. 
but then, you know, unfortunately, it's not always easy to set up your own business. So, you know, I, I went into working for, for companies for a number of years uh, and the time felt right. I thought, you know, it's never going to happen. It's time I do it now. So the year before setting up with Mate, I got involved in and I'm still running the consumer electronics uh, side of the business um, with, with a friend of mine. Uh, and that sort of opened up this opportunity. But my decision, decision had already been made pre pre-make that I want to do it one day it's just about the timing I guess when. you know and you thought yeah. the right timing was March 2020 as we go into a lockdown uh just before so the negotiations okay. started about a year before that with Mate Bike um in terms of uh, taking on and owning the UK market yeah um we influence a lot of the world and work with a lot of the world as well so um I work with partners across the world um and uh, sometimes even influences in different countries. So, so they had, it was a big decision for them as well, you know, to let me have that free reign to work the UK market and grow a key market that's kind of ahead of the S because Copenhagen in, you know, Amsterdam, people have you know, two, three bikes each. So, yeah. you know, to hit the market like that and make it work, it's, it's a bit more challenging. Whereas in the UK, you know, it's, it's not a typical way of getting around. So we knew we were ahead of the S and, and for Copenhagen, you know, they had to really entrust uh, us to, to, to really make it make it grow and, and get the potential out of it. And what's kind of from again from a business mind, what was the kind of mindset for you? Was it to target cities? Was it to target maybe suburban areas to reduce the the the, the carbon emissions from the cars? Or what, what was it? Was it kind of your mindset in how you're going to approach the UK market? So for me, it, it was twofold because I knew we had two different bikes. So we had the Mate S, we call it now, the, the, the city version, and the Mate X, which can be used in city, but more uh, rural as well and off-road. Yeah. So we, we knew, you know, without wanting to take over the entire market and being realistic, we knew that we had a product that was suited just for the cities and one that you could use in the city, but also take it away with you as well. Be it you're going on a caravan holiday, especially now with uh, the current situation, you know, yeah. um, we're going to do a lot of uh, holidays within the UK. So if you can stick two bikes in the back of your car and go out somewhere and just ride around for the weekend, this is, you know, a great time. I mean, for, for us, I actually had a serious meeting with uh, one of the partners saying, you know, maybe we should put this on hold when you know, this whole coronavirus and this COVID yeah. stuff was happening. But we decided actually we've put so much work into this just to get to this point. Let's just go ahead and see what happens. You know, even if it just glides for the first while, it's yeah. still, you know, we'll work and, and grow the brand. And obviously, I mean, throughout the first lockdown, obviously the likes of Halfords and all those other companies, they were they were selling bikes. They were open because the bike people wanted to go out, they could exercise, and that was their form of exercise. So did you see maybe an unexpected growth in sales at the start of the second quarter last year or was it uh yeah i think we, you know um be, being being brand new in the uk we set up our own website our own trust pilot etc so we weren't just piggybacking off of the main uh, head office um, um website so we were in a, in a way starting from scratch but at the same time i can't knock the hard work that's been done prior to us working so you know make bike internationally from copenhagen julie and christian team have an, done a phenomenal job getting the bike out there you know the, the the media attention it's had from a brother and sister making this huge business you know it's definitely helped us however we still had to do a lot of work so um can you remind me of the question again that you are sorry I'm so just it, it was sorry that the start of lockdown did you see that there was maybe a bit sure, more of a sure. 
a boost. So, so my, my naivety was to order less bikes initially, um, thinking that oh, we might not sell them. Yeah. And so the lead times were quite long because there's such a demand within industry and people were selling out of bikes everywhere. Yeah. Um, but the first container of bikes we got, we sold very quickly. Uh, and actually certain certain variants thought, oh, no, people might not go for that because it's the, the upgraded battery and the upgraded brakes. But everyone seemed to want the top of the range one. Our bikes are very affordable. So they're in, they're in the two, two and a half thousand pound bracket when you compare it to other e-bikes in the market. It's at an affordable point when you when you compare it like for like. Um, but but uh, I was sort of naive to that. And then the phones are going crazy. And this was before we even did a lot of the localized work uh, here. So uh, all I can say for now is we're getting ready for this summer. It's going to be a wild one this year. It's going to be a big one. Uh, that was my next question. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. Uh, so 2021, what, what, what is that looking like for you? What are you? How are you planning? Are you planning with caution or are you planning like we're going to get out of this lockdown? Are we planning with confidence that the coronavirus is going to is going to take a step away from everyone or? Look, either either way, irrespective of, of, of the situation that we're currently uh, in, we've gone in, um, we've gone all out. Um, we've pre-booked loads and loads of stock, thousands and thousands of bikes to come into the UK over the next 12 months. We're confident we're going to sell out and hopefully even have more demand. Um, we know even in lockdown, you can still go out and cycle. So that's something that you should do if yeah. you can. I admittingly don't ride enough myself, even though I want to, just because of uh, the runnings of the business and it's quite new. Um, but I, I, you know, the plan for me is to schedule in my diary, you know, a half an hour a day just to get out on the bike and just go, I've got one in the office here now as well. Yeah. Um, I think I think irrespective of what happens in terms of people going back to work or being stuck at home or I mean, we're doing a great job in the UK, the, the NHS, you know, 15 million vaccines already, yeah, you know, in such a short yeah. space of time compared to the rest of the world. I mean, you know, hats off. And I feel like we are going to, you know, achieve those targets. But irrespective, you know, for me, I still want to go all out and, you know, get enough spikes in the UK so that worst case scenario, they don't sell in June, they'll sell in July, you know. Yeah, and what, what's the so you mentioned you've got two models out so far. Is there anything you can tell us on the podcast about any new ones that are coming out this year? Um, so yeah, I can and I can't. So what I can tell you is that um, we we did a collaboration um, with Montclair. So the Montclair bike actually drops this year physically. There are only a thousand in the world, and out of the thousand, we have two hundred in the UK coming in. Wow. We've pre-sold some, but not all, um, and. In terms of um, there's so that so on that there are other exciting collaborations due to come out which are great um, which we'll talk about in due course. But one thing we can we can mention is the SUV. So what we found is cargo bikes, knee cargo bikes. There's such a demand for these. And again, when you look at them, I mean, there's some that are quite cool and stylish. But in general, you look at them and think, oh, I don't really like that. Or yeah. I would anyway, personally. Uh, so the Mate SUV is now going to launch on a brand new campaign uh, on Indiegogo again. Um, so that's going to be launching this year. Um, so it, it, you can actually find images of it online now. It looks super cool. It's got three wheels uh, and you can carry uh, maybe a little baby or some fruit and veg from the shop. <laughs> and so these are the first these are the first ranges to come out within a UK market where there's someone like you who's running the UK market. These are the first uh, versions of the bike to come out since you've taken over. Correct. Correct. So again, it's, it, do we have, um, does it come out in Copenhagen first? Or is it everyone gets it at the same time, push out release? Everyone gets it at the same time. So what would happen with a crowdfund um, with Indiegogo is you generally will get a heavy discount off of the RRP because you're backing what is essentially a concept because it's a new model. Yeah. Uh, and as soon as the numbers are hit, the production happens and then everyone in the world gets their bikes pretty much the same time. Again, certain countries might have slight delays for shipping, logistics, but otherwise 
bikes will be offered to everyone equally. And what would you say, again, from a business perspective, going into it, obviously, you was in, like you said, 12 months of negotiations. Um, so from those negotiations to actually running the business, what would you say is the toughest thing or the thing you didn't expect to be as tough as you found it? Um, I'd probably say, look, for me, the way I see it, it's, it's about the team that you have. And yeah. the team I have around me is amazing. I, I couldn't do half of what we do if it wasn't for the team. So so, so that's the, the reassuring part. I think the challenge was mindset. So people's mindsets within uh, our lovely island um, in terms of getting on a bike and, and not using the car. We're so used to driving everywhere. We yeah. have the same weather conditions as Amsterdam, as Copenhagen, but we still don't have enough people getting on bikes. Although there's been an increase and the government's really helping. Uh, you know, there's been a two billion pound fund allocated to making the roads safer for, for cycling and helping people get from the outskirts into a city, you know, with nice cycle routes. Yeah. Uh, and there's a load of work going to happen over the next couple of years on that. I feel that, you know, we will, we're a little bit behind when, when I compare us to Europe, basically, when it comes to cycling. And that's probably the biggest challenge. And that will change with time. We've just got to be patient and, and see it through. Do you think it would change with the ease? Like you say, the e-bike is a bit, it's easier to, to ride. You, do, you don't get to work in a suit and you, you're not sweating sort of thing because it's a little bit easier. It's assisted. So do you think that it's because of people have that, look, I don't want to cycle to work in the summer because by the time I get there, I'm going to have to change my shirt. Um, obviously, I know in, in, in London, I know a lot of people who get, get to London and they're in just normal stuff. And then when they get there, they get changed. So yeah. do, you, do you think the easier it becomes to, to cycle, the, the more people will do it? 100%. Look, people need confidence in terms of safety. Um, there are some really scary stats, which I don't really want to talk about. But if yeah. you look at stats in London, there are scary stats on what happens with fatalities uh, yeah. with, with bikes and London buses and all sorts. And this has been going on for years. So when there's more confidence in terms of the actual routes that people can take, uh, that's one of the parts. And the def second part is definitely the e-bike. You know, it makes it easier. You can, you know, you wouldn't think I'm going to go on a 40 mile ride today, but on a Mate X with the big fat wheels, you can go on a 40 mile ride. You know, yeah. we, my friend of mine and myself, we rode from um, Hendon in northwest London to uh, Richmond to the park, went around the park and went back. And we did yeah, about 35, 40 miles and I still had battery left at the end of the day. So, you know, you can get from one side of London to the other uh, and back uh, again. About it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, speaking to you, what I love is when we, with, with the business version of this podcast, in series one, as we had the celebrities on series two, it's been the, the, the business minds. And speaking to you, it's just the passion you have for, for this product. Obviously, you, I believe it's probably because you've got that connection from when you were younger, working with bikes. Obviously, then you kind of came out of that industry um, and now you've kind of fell back into it. Do you think it was always kind of a, it was always going to happen? It was always meant to be you working with bikes? I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> it's hard to say, you know, I mean, it, 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 now it feels that way but you know again like i said before if you asked me four five years ago i would never have said never, I'll be yeah. in the again and and now i think more and more back to those days and, and the passion i had then and i guess the reasoning without the family and you know the commitments and responsibilities of life it was a bit different so uh you, you know your, your 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 actual why you do what you do changes with time but yeah the fact that it's, it's something that's making a difference for me it's always been the value and the what the, the value add that what you're doing so you know if you're just out there and you're selling cigarettes to uh, supermarket chains for example when you go home at night you're thinking well you know what am i doing for a living is it helping people you know yeah uh, and you do what you have to do so so i'm not going to knock anyone's jobs but the fact that we're able to do something we know you know in the back of our minds and this is for the whole team in, in Matebike, that whatever we're doing is going to help 
in some way, shape, or form. You know, that's a nice feeling. You know, it's not. It's not, it can't, your motivation can't just be money, and that's for sure. I think to be truly passionate. Yeah. And did you ever, like you said, you drawn on your time back then? Did you ever kind of reminisce? Reminiscence? Anything you used to do back then that you thought actually, you know what? I know, I know, I was younger, a lot younger then, and I was only fixing bikes. But this is work. It's going to work in this kind of, in this kind of industry, in this model. Uh, I don't know about the industry, but the only thing I've been thinking about is how good I was at bunny hops and how I've got no <laughs> in my abs anymore to do it. <laughs> so, yeah, I was able to do some cool stunts and endos, and we used to go to a place called Nine Wells in Cambridge and just ride into these wells, and it was just so much fun. Uh, and I'd love to go and explore, if I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Harris, as you know, um, we at the end of every podcast, as we're coming towards the end, uh, we ask every guest to um, th- four, four questions. The first one is we all love music. So the first one is what three tracks could you choose? Uh, would you choose if I said to you, look, you can't listen to any other music for the rest of your life. You have to listen to these three. What would you choose? Oh, it's, it's, it's such, that's such a tough question. It's like your favorite yeah. film. Honestly, yeah. I couldn't I couldn't tell you what my actual favorite three films are, although I've got a list of 20 that you could then yeah. streamline. You could, you could, uh, in, in series one, we asked we asked the people that are on the, on the podcast their favorite movie and they all said the same. They were like, we're cut just one. What do you mean, just one? Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. If you ask me movies, I'd probably roll a few off. I think with, with music, um, one's got to be uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. A uh, huge fan of the Chili Peppers. I was in um, in, in Egypt and I just missed them performing uh, at, at Giza at the pyramids, and I was so gutted. Uh, you know, because that was one of those once in a lifetime opportunities. Yeah. Um, but yeah, something like it's probably Scar Tissue, which I had on yesterday. Um, so yeah, it's probably one of my one of my, one of my top tracks. Again, it's really hard to say, but that was one I choose. Um, I like I love listening to Muse. Um, a song like Supremacy is probably one that uh, sticks in my mind that I'd love to listen to. Um, and then to completely switch it up, um, Tupac. I'm a big oh, fan yeah, of Tupac. Yeah. Big fan of hip hop as well. And uh, Tupac had a song called Picture Me Rolling. Uh, where he talks about his visions of uh, making a success out of his life one day. He came from, you know, very humble beginnings and uh, talks about, you know, his his vision of making something happen and then it happening. How's it? How, so what kind of music do you listen to in, in the office? Um, we could listen to Japanese hip hop one day. I mean, we, we listen to anything, <laughs> everything. We've got... Uh, Bill Al works in the office, who's our, uh, one of our uh, senior account managers who handles all our B2B relationships, and Tanzim's our business strategist, and generally the three of us are in an office, um, and we've got quite varied music tastes, so we might have some Punjabi uh, Punjabi music on, uh, some hip-hop, and then we go to some really nice and chill. I guess it changes with our moods, but we've got playlists, and we're, you know, we've got constantly something in the background to keep us entertained. Brilliant. Um, so the next question I'm going to ask you is, if you had to start all over again, so let's forget about your 14 year old when you had that your bike business and let's forget about make bike if you had to start all over again what kind of business would you start up or, or look to join and why for me business is about um it's a journey right so you're, you're on this journey where the product might change again in five years it might change again in 10 years and so I'd say one of my other passions is in uh, high performance cars, although that isn't, you know, it wouldn't have the same feeling, I guess, because you know that a V8 or a V10 or V12 car isn't going to be good for the environment. So so car racing yeah. or 
getting involved in cars in some some way, shape, or form. I probably would have been really excited by it. We had a meeting with the the British Superbikes. We went to BSB uh, to one of their tracks, and this, the buzz of being there, I was thinking, wow. And one of our a mate bike, uh, one of the guys who's got a mate bike, Ollie Webb, who is one of the fastest drivers in the world. Um, uh, from the UK, and uh, so we, we, we meet him, and I love seeing his collection of cars and going on tracks. And I often think, oh, I'd love to get involved into that business now. So, you know, it's something within that supercar world probably would have been really cool. Um, but then I, I say that, and I think, well, actually, maybe not. So it's a tough one, really, for me. Um, I, I think, I think, you know, to answer the question is, business is not about the product, and it's about you and your team. Um, so if you've got the right people that you work with, it, that will evolve. And we will probably start over again a few times again, yeah. you know, within our career. You know, and even if we keep one going, like with the electronics now, we still supply PlayStations and Dyson Hoovers and Shark Hooves and stuff, uh, yeah. Google products. But now we do bikes and then we might take on something else. And it's about diversifying that portfolio. Um, so, yeah, uh, to answer the question, long story yeah. short, probably something in supercars. <laughs> And if you could, in that business, if you, I could say anyone in the world of business, Jeff Bezos, Deborah Meaden, Alan Sugar, Rich Francis, anyone you could team up with, put that business together, who would you choose? Um, probably because I've been brainwashed by one of them. Maybe. I'd, I'd probably choose Elon Musk, only because I've been brainwashed by uh, one of my <laughs> colleagues. He bangs on about him day and night. And uh, he is a genius, though. And the more I read about Elon Musk, you know, I genuinely like because we've all got ideas, you know, we've all got concepts and ideas. And if I pick your brain, you tell me what you think was possible. Yeah. Somehow he's able to actually get it over the line. And I think that's the strength from what I see. It's not the ideas. The ideas are cool, but it's how he can actually get things over the line. And that's the hardest thing. How do I make this into a reality? I mean, you're talking about space, or you're talking about yeah. e-cars or, 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 or renewable energy for your house. I think there's Tesla roof panels and stuff, right? So yeah. all of these that they're great ideas but other people have got the same ideas as well and other people have thought about them but i think with his strength it's about getting the right team the right expertise you know if you look at even if you look at the batteries i mean our batteries have to be charged again and again they don't recharge themselves right yeah um so that generative uh, kind of industry is huge but i know that elon musk years ago was looking into batteries and had factories the size of cities just to research batteries i think he's doing batteries, it, he's on yeah. it he's always been looking at how can i get this better I mean, even to think to, to bring out a car in the world of VW, Audi, you know, Honda, Ford are doing a great job now. Yeah. You know, these brands have been around for years and years. So, and to bring something out within that and go, I'm going to take on everyone head on. That's yeah. huge. I mean, and, we're not and doing that with And to succeed as well. And to succeed. Yeah. People just yeah. think it's an overnight thing or a couple of years thing. He's been doing this for years. This is something like you say, the research goes into. It's not just a, an over the night, richest man in the world kind of job. Uh, finally, before before we let you go, um, if there was one active business right now you could take over, I could say, look, here's the keys, you're the CEO. What would you take over? Oh, that's a really tough one. That's a really tough one. <laughs> Do you know, there's, there's a few businesses that I've seen growing that excite me um, and one of them uh, is, is Peloton that came to mind when you've asked yeah. me that question. Although they're already succeeding, I just feel like, again, it's it's back to that point of what you're doing in the value add. What they're doing there is, you know, okay, we have gyms, but they, they're creating this culture and they're creating this lifestyle. It's not about going and buying uh, just a bike, you know. It's not about, I want an exercise bike, I'm going to get a Peloton. You it's know, there's a lot more. Yeah. To work, to take over a business like that and take it to new levels, I think the potential, because it's already opened up a world that wouldn't have thought about getting a product from somewhere like that. I'd love to take that and take, I mean, it's already started, global expansion's already started, but 
to, to new levels. I think that would be really exciting. So, Harris, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It is all we have time for today. I really appreciate it. It's been great to get to know you more. It's been great to get to know Mate, mate Bike more. And, um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. No problem. Absolute pleasure. If you want to invite on uh, Judy or Christian, the founders, I'm sure they'll be happy to come on at some point. But Without a doubt. We, we definitely, yeah. Too. We are amazing. Brilliant. Harris, thank you for your time. Take care. All the best now. Bye-bye. Thank you, thank you, thank you again to Harris for coming on the podcast. It was fantastic to speak to you and it was an incredible journey that we went through. At the start, it's, it's your journey of your life. Um, I know we spoke about Make Bike UK, but your life, you started out fixing bikes and now you are arguably leading the UK surge in e-bikes and Make Bike UK is at the front of that, thanks to you. Thank you so much again, Harris, for coming on. Thank you to you guys at home for listening. Thank you so much. Make sure you tune in again next week from 10am, wherever you get your podcasts. Until we meet again.